0: Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. Time flies when you're learning super cool stuff. I'm Nate.
1: And I'm Callie. If you're dropping in for the first time, welcome to Curiosity, where we aim to blow your mind by helping you grow your mind. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back.
0: Today, you'll learn about the surprising sexual implications of the COVID pandemic, if the biggest comet ever discovered is going to end the world, and how the natural power built into the ocean could, one day, power a bunch of stuff on land.
1: Without further ado, let's satisfy some curiosity. You know, Nate, butterflies are just so unapologetically and proudly themselves. I mean, think about it. One day they're a caterpillar and then they're just like, I'm going to switch it up. Then, bam, butterfly. They don't even think twice about it. So this story is about the surprising and unforeseen consequences of the COVID pandemic.
0: The what? That's a very jarring transition.
1: Totally is, but it'll make sense soon. So a really interesting thing happened during the pandemic. Life as we knew it came to a grinding halt. People were sanitizing apples, everyone was scrambling for N95 masks, and all plans were canceled.
0: Oh, which I weirdly loved. I never knew how many plans I made that I didn't really want to be a part of until the pandemic.
1: Okay, actually, same. Uh, But despite all of this, something interesting happened. Health experts revealed that cases of sexually transmitted diseases actually got worse over the last two years.
0: Wait, I thought people canceled plans.
1: (laughs) When a bear is hungry, it's going to eat. And despite mandates and warnings from the government, people were still seeking intimate contact. In fact, during lockdown, people likely went out of their way to find partners. The psychology behind this is pretty simple. Human beings are social animals, and we need connection. So the solitude caused by the pandemic likely heightened the craving for social interaction.
0: So even Gen Z and millennials ignored Fauci?
1: Oh yeah, but that's not the reason why sexually transmitted diseases and infections became a full-on crisis. Because of the pandemic, some sexual health clinics had to cut back hours and some even closed entirely. Then, many STD investigators were instructed to refocus their efforts on COVID. If that wasn't enough, federal agencies experienced shortages of supplies like cotton swabs and glass vials. It made testing super difficult.
0: And now I'm thinking about all the ripple effects of the pandemic.
1: Right? It kind of never ends. I mean, think about all of the people who lost their jobs. Along with that, they lost their health insurance. So even if millions of people wanted treatment, it was too pricey. So they just didn't get it. On top of all this, there was a spike in addiction and mental health issues that only increased risky behavior that could lead to STDs.
0: It's been a dark time for everyone. But is the sexual news coming out of the pandemic all bad?
1: I am glad you asked, because the answer is no. A ton of people use the isolation to revamp themselves, or more accurately, be honest with themselves. In 2020, a survey by Trent University in Ontario revealed that 11% of people in the LGBTQ community felt they could be more open about their sexual or gender identity because of COVID. And around the same time, the dating app Bumble did a survey of about 4,000 people that echoed similar results, almost as if there was a sexual awakening of sorts. Well,
0: that's super interesting and actually makes a ton of sense. When you're home alone with nothing to do, you can't help but take a long, hard look in the mirror.
1: That's exactly right. An associate professor and director of the LGBTQ plus studies program at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee says that COVID helped people realize who they are faster. With life changing so drastically, people started questioning a bunch of cultural norms.
0: It's amazing how COVID forced us to look at everything in a different way.
1: Experts and psychologists said TV and podcasts also played a role. While we were all locked inside, we consumed tons of content. Queer positive stories contributed to people rethinking things. But social media was also key. The people making content on social media are viewed as regular people, different from professional actors and actresses, so their personal stories of LGBTQ plus self-love and acceptance hit much harder.
0: It's about time attitudes started changing. If people are happier, that's good for everyone.
1: Agreed. And for those still struggling with their identity, please reach out to a trusted family member, friend, or medical professional.
0: That's right. You're not alone. We're all beautiful butterflies.
1: You are a beautiful butterfly, Nate. Thanks.
0: Callie, did you hear about the couple in New Zealand a few weeks back who thought they grew the world's largest potato? It was 17 pounds.
1: 17 pounds? That's like two human babies worth of potato.
0: Yeah, but in crushing news, DNA analysis showed that the potato was actually a gourd tuber.
1: Aw, so they didn't get the record?
0: No, but they seem to be in good spirits. They named him Doug, and they're keeping him in their freezer. Long live Doug. He's a potato in my heart. <laughs>
1: But do we have another frozen record setter to talk about?
0: Yeah, we do. Scientists have identified the biggest comet ever observed. Quick refresher, comets are a mixture of dust, rock, and ice left over from the formation of the solar system. They orbit the sun with their iconic long tails.
1: And we're positive this isn't a gore tuber.
0: 100% positive, because this comet is massive. It's an astounding 85 miles across, nearly twice as big as the last biggest comet. And it's headed right for us.
1: 85 miles across? That's just a few miles too big to parallel park in between Philadelphia and New York City. What, did you say it's coming right for us? Should I be worried? Uh, some of my favorite dinosaur friends were killed by a visitor from deep space.
0: Oh, well, not right for us. It's coming from the Oort cloud, and the closest it will get is a billion miles from the sun, near Saturn. What on Earth is an Oort cloud? Not on Earth, around the Earth. Well, around the whole solar system. It's like a shell of icy objects around the farthest reaches of the solar system.
1: Well, does our new visitor have a name?
0: Bernardinelli-Bernstein, or Comet 2014-UN271, to its friends. It's named after the scientists who discovered it, Gary Bernstein and Pedro Bernardinelli.
1: If it's so big, how are we just now seeing it?
0: Because its orbit takes 5 million years, and we just happen to live in the tiny sliver of time when it will be closest to Earth. Bernardinelli was looking at space objects 2.7 billion miles from the sun when his analysis flagged this comet's orbit. And this orbit was much different from the things around it.
1: So they noticed the orbit and then realized, whoa, this is one big rock?
0: Exactly. In August 2021, scientists confirmed the size by studying the microwave radiation coming off the comet while it was still 1.86 billion miles away.
1: That's like measuring someone's shoe size from more than 4,000 miles away. I did the math.
0: Mmm, that was fast. And we've only ever seen two comets anywhere near this size. That's because large comets are super rare. Remember that iconic tail I mentioned earlier? Well, that streak comes from the ice being vaporized as the comet speeds through space.
1: So their beauty comes as they melt away and disappear?
0: Exactly. It's beauty worthy of a... Sad country love song.
1: I mean, big things are cool, but why does it matter? We aren't doing a story about the world's largest filing cabinet. That's in Burlington, Vermont.
0: That's on my bucket list, actually. 38 drawers. Ah, But anyway, because it's so big, we can study it.
1: And we can't study normal-sized comets?
0: Many comets fragment apart as they shrink, and as they get close enough to study, the heat from the sun often changes their chemistry. In its current state, This comet probably has a chemical makeup similar to the gas and dust our solar system came from, like an icy time capsule from 4.5 billion years ago that we get to crack open around 2031. So
1: are we going to get up there and stomp around on it?
0: Probably not. We'll just watch. We have telescopes studying its chemical composition and how the comet changes as it comes towards us.
1: Oh, they'll probably use the shiny new James Webb telescope. It launched in December of last year. It's the most powerful telescope humanity has ever put in space. Webb is a joint collab between NASA and the European and Canadian space agencies.
0: You bet. Scientists are going to use every tool in their belt to study this big boy. It's our best bet to understand where we and all things whizzing around the sun actually came from.
1: I can't believe my luck. Doug, the tuber and this big comet all in my lifetime. Unbelievable.
0: Sometimes it's good to be us, Kelly.
1: Nate, I have got a name for you. A pro cheerleader named Crazy George Henderson. He invented something we all love and have participated in.
0: He invented hugging puppies?
1: What? No. He invented the wave. You know, the people throwing their arms in the air in stadiums to get energy going. The first wave actually happened at a professional baseball game in 1981. Crazy George used it to help rally his team in the playoffs.
0: So, what, is this story about the science behind sports fandom?
1: No. Crazy George harnessed the power of the wave to inject energy into the stadium. But scientists are looking to harness the power of ocean waves to inject energy into all of humanity.
0: Ah, there's the transition.
1: Hit you like a wave, didn't it? We're here today because the federal government just approved funding for the first full-scale utility grid-connected testing facility for wave energy converter research. That is a mouthful. But it means that we're looking into converting ocean waves into electricity.
0: How cool. Waves seem like an incredible source of energy. They're predictable, regular, and certainly powerful. How have we not been doing this for years?
1: The idea has experienced fits and starts and more than a few aborted attempts. But hope for the future lies seven miles off the shores of Oregon. It's called PacWave, and it's the first grid-connected wave energy facility in the United States. Oregon State University is behind it, and it's set to open in 2023.
0: Things are sounding super hopeful. Why has it taken us so long to get here?
1: Well, Stephen Salter first conceived the idea of harnessing wave energy in 1974. He created pear-shaped devices as big as a house placed in the ocean. The waves would crash into them, causing gyroscopes inside to spin, and this rotation would be converted into electrical energy by a generator. But since these things were huge and step one is let powerful waves crash into them, they were battered to pieces in no time at all.
0: Yeah, I guess that's a tough start.
1: Totally. It's an incredibly difficult engineering challenge that's extremely expensive to solve. The ocean is a tough place, and that's not even to mention the regulations you have to deal with.
0: So I can't just sneak a giant turbine into the water while I tan at the beach?
1: Not quite. Every bit of ocean has any number of officials from the federal, state, and local level you'll have to contend with.
0: So why not just use waves in a man-made wave pool to generate electricity?
1: Some folks have tried, but the reality is you can't replicate the cosmic forces of water moving across the world. You need the real thing to know if your equipment is tough
0: enough. So this facility is a really big deal. On-water testing, without feeling like Franz Kafka at the Water Authority.
1: Exactly. The $80 million Oregon State University-led project will be able to test up to 20 devices at a time across two square miles of ocean.
0: So how exactly do we get energy from a wave?
1: There are tons of different methods. Some technology captures the up and down energy of floating devices. Others convert underwater pressure differentials. Some capture energy as waves move towards the shore. Some direct ocean water through turbines. That's why it's so important to do more research.
0: But how do they make sure the devices don't just float away?
1: They'll tether them to the seafloor and connect them to cables that carry the electricity seven miles to shore.
0: Well, then the million-dollar question, or... $80 million question, I suppose. How much power can we hope to capture?
1: Researchers estimate we could collect as much as 2.64 trillion kilowatt hours of power from the U.S. coast annually. That's about 64% of all the electricity the country used in 2019.
0: With that much power, you could continuously run an incandescent 60-watt light bulb for 5 billion years.
1: Our sun still has that number beat. It should glow for another 10 billion years.
0: That brings up a question I have. What's the scale here? Is this comparable to someone's rooftop solar panel or one of those giant solar farms?
1: The easiest place to start is in small installations for small communities. And if we can make these technologies durable and inexpensive, then we can scale up.
0: Ooh, I'm getting excited just thinking about this. It feels like the Wild West or the Apollo missions. So many possibilities.
1: Absolutely. And the industry is growing. The wave energy market is expected to more than triple by 2027 to somewhere north of $120 million. While the European Marine Energy Center in Scotland has been testing devices like this since 2003, now US companies have a place to test domestically.
0: Callie, are we about to sign off and start a wave energy company?
1: I'm in if you're in.
0: All right, we're going to need some money.
1: <laughs> Everyone does. Researchers expect most early projects will rely on grants and other government funding, but they're hoping success will attract money from outside sources like venture capitalists.
0: Okay, we start our company, Curiosa C, solve the global energy problem, and become fabulously wealthy.
1: Nate, I don't want to be rich. I want to be crazy George Henderson.
0: I'll wave anytime you want. Woo! (sighs) Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up. COVID 19 flipped life as we knew it on its head, but no one foresaw how it would change things sexually. An STD crisis emerged as resources were directed elsewhere, but at the same time, there was a new sexual awakening.
1: Scientists recently discovered the largest known comet. At a staggering 85 miles across, it will soon whiz by Earth. Its size and proximity will give scientists an unbelievable opportunity to study the birth of our solar system.
0: New investments in wave energy research are giving hope to the idea of harvesting energy from the ocean. The U.S. government just approved funding for an offshore testing facility that researchers believe may bring wave power to the masses. Curiosity Daily is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Discovery.
1: You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we would love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star
0: review on Apple Podcasts.